If you want to be turning in your Bibles to Acts chapter 11, we're going to look at the second part of Acts chapter 11 from verse 19. But a couple of weeks away from our series in the book of Acts. If you're here visiting today, uh, as a church, we've been going through the book of Acts. Uh, and over the last couple of weeks, we've had a look at the letter to uh, Jude's letter. Uh, and we've had a week in sites where we've been looking at different things together. Uh, and now we're back in Acts, and we're going to look at Acts 11, verses 19 to 30. So in Acts 11, verse 19, we read this. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So we come back to Acts chapter 11. We're picking up from, from where we left off, where Peter has gone to the house of Cornelius. We've seen this Roman soldier become a believer. We've seen Peter going to the house of a Gentile and then is called to Jerusalem to explain himself. And they conclude in this glorious sense in verse 18. They heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then even to Gentiles God has granted repentance that leads to life. This wonderful conclusion that this is for the Jews, yes, but it's for Gentiles too. This is for everyone, the good news about Jesus and then here as we start in verse 19, actually it takes us back to what was happening in chapter 8. In chapter 6 and 7 we hear about Stephen, who in the end is stoned to death because he spoke about Jesus. And as he's stoned to death, this great persecution breaks out at the beginning of chapter 8. In chapter 8, verse 1, it says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And they spread out. And it says in verse 4 of chapter 8, Those who'd been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And we go on to read about Philip going to Samaria. They're scattered, but they spread the word of God. 
They spread the good news wherever they're going. And we see here in chapter 11, they've gone out into Judea and Samaria. But then we see that there are different ones here who have been scattered further. In chapter 11 and verse 19, they've scattered... uh, They travel as far as Phoenicia, that's up the coast, up further from Judea and Samaria, up the coast, along the coast of the Mediterranean, through Phoenicia, across the sea, across the Mediterranean Sea to the island of Cyprus, and even as far as Antioch in Syria. They head north, and what do they do? They spread the good news wherever they go. They spread and proclaim the word wherever they went. We see these folk, they're scattered by the persecution that followed the death of Stephen. They're they're fleeing for their lives. And yet wherever they go, through Judea and Samaria, into Phoenicia, across to Cyprus and up as far as Antioch, they are proclaiming the word of God. And so some of them reach Antioch. Antioch was a big city, maybe 200, 300, 400, 500,000 people, depending on which report you look at. A thriving strategic city in the Roman Empire. The Jewish historian Josephus ranked it as third in the Roman Empire behind Rome and Alexandria. This is a massive, thriving, strategic place. And we see here in Cyprus and Cyrene, they went to Antioch and they began to speak not only to the Jews, but to Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. This is a persecuted people, scattered by fierce persecution. And what are they doing? Spreading the word. Jesus, he's the way. Jesus is the one you need to follow. Jesus is the one who changes everything. Jesus is the one who brings salvation. This is good news. Jesus is good news. And you know, what we've just seen this morning in baptism is a demonstration of this message of salvation. We've seen three lives that have been transformed by the power of Jesus and his gospel. I was going my way, now I'm following Jesus. I was carrying my sin and my guilt. Now I'm forgiven. I have died to myself. Now I'm living for him. This is the message of the gospel. This is the good news that was spread to Jews and to Greeks in Antioch. This is the good news. And when we say good news, we're not talking about something, well, oh, that's good news. That sounds quite nice. I could have some of that. I could pick and choose. Well, that, that, that sounds good, but that also sounds quite good. It's like saying, well, I'm having a Mars bar right now sounds quite good, but I could have a Twix, or I could have something better than either of those two, some more impressive chocolate bar. Anyone? A Snickers. Okay, we've gone from Mars bar to Snickers, I suppose. Okay, anyway, we're not talking about that. I could have one of them. I could have one of them. We're not even talking about the good news. You've won a new iPad, or you've won a new car, or you've got a, someone's giving you a house, 
It's like, man, that's good news. But that's not the good news that we're talking about. This good news is deeper. It's greater. It's better. It's, it's just on a, on a whole other scale. This is the good news. The only news that can really be considered good. And it's this. That we all are hopeless, lost, rebellious sinners. The Bible tells us in Romans 3 verse 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the God of the universe, the holy, awesome one, in whom there is no darkness, who can have nothing to do with sin, who created everything, he has made a way. He has provided hope to us hopeless sinners. He has provided a way for us to come into relationship with him. For us to be forgiven, for us to have new life in him. In John chapter 3 verse 16, we read that wonderful, simple but glorious profound truth that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. This is the good news. That the Son of God, God the Son, Jesus Christ, became a man and died on a Roman cross. And in doing so, he conquered sin and death that we may come today. And we may come as these three today have demonstrated. We can die to ourselves, die to our old life, die to our sin, and rise to new life in him. In Christ we find true life in all its fullness. This is the good news that was declared in Antioch. This is the good news that they declared as they were scattered through persecution. The good news that lost, desperate, hopeless, sinful people, aka all of us, can find hope can be transformed, can know God, can have eternal life, can be forgiven. The good news is that our deepest need can be met only in Jesus. See, the good news is not a new iPad. It's not a Snickers for Blessan. It's not one of many optional nice things. Oh, that's good news. But this is worth everything. This is worth everything that we have. Everything that we could ever have and that we don't have. The encouragement this morning is come to him. Come to Jesus, accept this, repent and make him Lord of your life. See, this is the good news. Jesus is Lord. That Jesus, the Son of God, died and rose again, conquering sin and death for you and for me. See, this is the good news that was being declared in Antioch. And as we look at this passage, it's an encouragement in three ways. And we might look at one of them. Because the first thing that this passage encourages us in is that this good news is for you. You see, the good news is not just for a special group of people. We see in this very passage that those from Cyprus and Cyrene, they get as far as Antioch 
And where the news has been proclaimed only to the Jews, no, they decide, they see, no, this is what God is doing and proclaim it to the Greeks also. This good news is for everyone. For all who believe in his name. We've seen this in the preceding chapters with the story of Peter and Cornelius and how God calls Peter to go and speak to Cornelius, a Gentile, a non-Jew, and sees the Holy Spirit fall on them and that they are transformed by the gospel. And that's the conclusion that they came to. The, the apostles in Jerusalem, no, redemption has come even to the Gentiles. This message is for the whole world, to all peoples, not just some special group. This was God's promise to Abraham. Way back in the Old Testament, Abraham, through your offspring, all nations will be blessed. And in the coming of Jesus Christ, this is the good news, that all can come to him and know forgiveness. So this is the first encouragement today, that this is for you. You might just have come this morning because you've come to see a friend or a family member get baptised. Well, this message is for you. You might be here week in, week out. And you might have heard hundreds of sermons from this platform. This message is for you. You might be the youngest child in this room. There isn't an age limit. God can speak to you today, and this message is for you. And the other way around, it's never too late. You might be the oldest person here. Well, this message is for you too. It's never too late to come and say, no, Jesus is Lord, and I submit to him. You can be forgiven. You can know him today. This is the good news. You can know the God, the Savior who died for you. Who, when you had absolutely no hope, no way, no way of working it out, you might have thought you were good, you might have thought, you might think that you're good. But the Bible tells us, no, we are all, we've all fallen short of his standing and we've got no way of getting there but Jesus. Only Jesus. This is the good news and it's for you. And this is the good news that the world needs. That Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. The only way to the Father, the only way to truly live life to the full, the only way to be forgiven, the only way to truly be fulfilled. And in postmodern, post Christian Britain, this sounds exclusive and intolerant. And what about all the other ways, Rich? What about all the other things that could bring fulfillment and happiness and joy? It's all right for you to keep that thought to yourself. You believe what you believe and we'll believe what we believe. But this is the truth. There is no other. 
As Ginny prophesied earlier, we have a sure and certain hope that dwells in us. If we are in Christ, that is what it is. That this is the hope for the whole world. That God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. So that if we believe in him, we shall not die, but have eternal life. See, this good news is not just one of many alternative lifestyles or one of many sets of rules that might be a good idea. It's not just a crutch for some people who happen to need it. No, this is life. This is the truth. This is the glorious hope that Sue and Dan and Jason were declaring today. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way, but this way is open. And if you want to know that today, you can. If you want to come to him today, you can. I'm just going to pause and ask the question. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, you've heard the testimonies this morning, you've heard these few short words that I've just said, you've heard the good news that was declared to the people of Antioch and a great number of people received it. Well, you can know it right now. If you want to know that truth, I'm going to ask you to do something really scary right now. If you want to know that truth today, I'd ask you to stand. I'm going to put it out there. You can know the true hope of the whole universe. The king who is seated on the throne. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father So I'm going to leave you an opportunity to respond right now, just for a moment. I'm going to move on and say a couple more things. Okay. This offer is open. You might also have seen the people being baptized, and actually you're being nudged. What about me? Why am I? What's holding me back? Well, you can go for it. Come and see us afterwards. We might not open the pool up straight away right now, but we'll open it up again pretty soon. What else do we see from this passage very quickly? It's an encouragement that this message is for you, but it's an encouragement for all of us to remain true in the Lord. We see, as we look through these verses, the importance, the life-defining nature of Jesus. We see people from across Judea scattered by the persecution, but they're spreading the words. This is their life. This is their mission. This is our life and mission. Our life on mission for God's. 
We see what happens. They come to Antioch. The word is proclaimed. There's many, many saved. A great number of people come. Barnabas comes. And as he saw the work of grace, uh, the work of the grace of God amongst them, he encourages them to remain true to the Lord. He encourages them to remain true to the Lord. We were looking at encouragement last week at Shirecliff, and if I could, I would point you towards that message, but I forgot to record it, so I can't. But Barnabas arrives, and he doesn't immediately set up a load of projects, and this is how we can outreach better, or this is what we can do. He doesn't look to a load of gimmicks. He says, hold fast to this. Remain true to this truth. Remain true to the word of God that you've received. Last week I quoted uh, from a guy called Marshall Seagal who posted on DesiringGod.org talking about encouragement. To encourage is to give courage. Not simply to console or to compliment someone and certainly not to flatter but to strengthen a heart for risk or adversity. Every Christian needs a steady stream of courage to endure suffering, to reject temptation, to sacrifice in love, to embrace discipline, to persevere in ministry, and to trust and obey God. What we see in Antioch is Barnabas comes, he sees the work of grace, and this is what he does. Keep going. Hold firm. Believe this. Hold on to it. Whatever comes, we all need a steady stream of courage to remain true to the Lord. Why? Because living for God isn't easy. It's tempting not to. You see here, those who proclaim the word at Antioch, they've been scattered by persecution. And Barnabas now sees this whole bunch of new believers. A great number of people came to the Lord. And he knows they need courage to remain. This is glorious. This is wonderful. This message that you've received is the only thing that matters. And similarly for us, we will face temptation and suffering. We will undergo discipline. We will need to persevere. It isn't easy to sacrifice in love. It isn't easy to love one another. Because we're all difficult. I know I'm difficult. It's, it's hard to keep trusting and obeying God. So Barnabas' response to seeing the outworking of the grace of God among them is to encourage them to remain true. And then he goes to get Saul and they teach for a year. They say, this is what's important. We're going to teach you the truth. We're going to get hold of the truth together. So I'm going to close in saying this. Be encouraged and encourage one another that this is where we need to come. This is the truth that we live by. Remember that it's true. Be encouraged that Jesus is Lord. That this isn't just a fairy tale. It isn't just one of many ways to live. It's not outdated, even hateful advice, which we've now moved on from because we're so much more sophisticated and progressive now. The world will throw all of that and more at us. But that's why this is Barnabas' focus. Read it. 
ask him. Be filled with the Spirit. Remain true. Because you know what? Jesus, he's the bread of life who feeds us and sustains us. He's the true vine in whom we have life. He is, he is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. He is where we find life. And he's the good shepherd who will look after his sheep. Don't be deceived. Don't be discouraged. Don't turn aside. Don't be tempted to compromise because everything else does not compare. So I was thinking of this point. I just pictured a row of sweet jars in an old-fashioned sweet shop. And you could see all sorts of things in these sweet jars, not Snickers bars. But just saw these things labelled, and in one of them could be Jesus. And in one of them, there's a career. In one of them, there's that particular relationship. In one of them, there's a whole lot of wealth. In one of them, there might be friends. In one of them, there might be family. And we can so easily go in and think, ah, what is it that's going to make me happy at the moment? What is it that's going to be? I can pick and choose from these different things. Maybe Jesus will help me now. But now I need, I need to focus on my career or I need to focus on this relationship. Even though it seems to be leading me away from where Jesus is, that's what I need to focus on because that's what will make me happy. I just want to say it's not like that fake sweet shop. That's not what life is all about. Jesus doesn't sit on a shelf with all those other things as an equal. If those things don't submit to your following of Jesus, then get rid of them. Focus on him. If that's leading you away, cut it off. Come to him. He is so much greater, so much better, so much more than any other choice that you could make. Don't be deceived. Don't be discouraged. Remain true to the Lord. So easy to think, ah, oh, but it, it, this kind of makes me happy though. It, it's probably not that bad. No, if it's, if it's taking your gaze off of him, then he's the choice to make. I'm going to close there. There's more that I could say. But I want to encourage us. This message is for you. And for all of us. For us that know him. For us that have life in Jesus Christ. My encouragement to you today is the same as Barnabas's. Let's remain true to his words. Let's remain true to Jesus. Keep our eyes fixed on him. Because he ultimately is the way, the truth, and the life. Everything else fades in comparison. But he is Lord. And he loves us.